You are too. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're grateful this morning for one another. We're grateful for you. We're grateful for the Lord Jesus. We're grateful that you send your spirit among us and that you tabernacle among men in such a way and women. And we just pray that we would give forth the light of Christ in our lives, that we would pursue you in every way, that we would see your uh, your will and your, your situations and the situations we're in, that everything in our life would be somehow understood, interpreted, and personalized uh, by, by your presence. Amen. Uh, I want to... Something just I want to throw out to you this week. This is just part of the Christian apologist in me. It's been, it's been argued that you can't argue anyone into the heaven, and I want to disagree with that big time. Um, and, and I want to use the book of Acts to make my point. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean I'm not saying you don't have to be spiritually reborn. I'm saying God uses arguments in the process of giving spiritual new birth to people. The book of Acts, and there's a reason why I'm bringing this up. Um, the book of Acts, a number of times, I'll, I'll, I'll warn a few here. <clears throat> and some of them were persuaded, enjoying Paul and Silas, along with a large number of Greeks and God-fearing and a number of the leading women, Acts 17.4. Acts 18.4, and he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Acts 19.8, and he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Uh, Acts 19.26, you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but also in Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. Um, <clears throat> Acts 28.23 and... 24, when they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers and was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning till evening. Some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. God uses persuasion. God uses argument in the process of bringing some to faith. There's no question about that. Uh, Paul reasoned and argued. The book of Acts is the place where we go to see sort of how does conversion happen? What happens? How do people come to the kingdom now that the Spirit has been poured out, right? So I just, and I mention that because once we're able to get to this point in the pro-life argument, we're able to get people to at least acknowledge some minimal set of facts in some way, I think we can be able to say to them, where does this sense of our value of a human being come from, do you suppose? Where do you suppose that comes from? That's like a, that's not a subjective thing. I mean, everybody agrees that there's a certain value to humans most. Now, uh, there are some, of course, and I mean sort of strict materialists, but even them, even they can be persuaded to some extent about the value of a human being above any other thing. You know what I mean? And where does that come from? And that's a good starting point for a discussion. Where does that value come from? How does that value get conferred upon us? It's not just by accident. If it's just by accident, then we should be able to ignore it. And we should be able to just move on. But <clears throat> all of the... <clears throat> I would like to think in the better moments, all politicians that are always decrying racism and <clears throat> misogyny and all this other stuff are doing so because they think that the person that they're accusing of these things is doing something to devalue the personhood of another person. Okay, now, as it is, lots of times they're just crying that for purposes of serving their own political gain and they don't care anything about other persons and they're so sick and twisted that they will accuse someone else of racism just to, just to promote their own political power, which is going on all over the place today. We're in such a sewer, we're in such a septic, we're in such a, we're in such a horrible time of, of, of lies and deceit, but it's not to be unexpected. So, 
I hope that sometimes our pro-life arguments can lead into a uh, discussion about the Lord Jesus Christ, perhaps a little bit easier in some ways with those that are suffering the effects of the sin of abortion, that they can uh, see that and, and genuinely know they're forgiven and, and be healed. Uh, but others just to sort of open up a discussion about um, objective value of a human being, which seems all but lost in our political discourse. Anyway, in the last session we talked a little bit about, uh, quite a bit about the science of the unborn. We said there's no period of non-life. We said that the unborn is growing biologically, and we concluded that abortion kills the unborn because only something living can be killed. And we've proven that the unborn is a separate individual being. It's not the mother's body, different gender, different blood type, <coughs> different DNA, of course. We proved the unborn is human being, that he's got a genetic signature. He's the offspring of human parents. He's not partially human. He's not potentially human. He's not possibly human. He is human. He's a complete human being for his entire life from conception until death. So we know it's living and we know it's human. So therefore, we have a living human being. We also talked about sort of the four different positions or categories of argument that people take when they try to argue against and say, okay, it's a human being, but that's not the same as a person. To which we said, okay, one very simple question, what's the difference? What's the difference between a human being and a human person? And any response we can get from people is a response that falls into one of four categories. And these four categories have been used over history to depersonalize some people so that they can be enslaved and or killed and or medically experimented on, i.e. Nazism, slavery, etc. Genocide and things that are still going on in the world today. This isn't historical stuff only. This is happening now. We talked about the SLED acronym, S-L-E-D. We talked about the fact that they're not the right size, therefore they don't qualify as humans. And we made the comparison. Okay, uh, men are typically bigger uh, than women. Does that mean that men have more value? Uh, if, if, uh, right? so if, or if, uh, if I'm taller than Bev, am I more valuable than Bev just because I'm taller? Uh, is the seven foot seven rookie for the Celtics have more value than the person that has dwarfism, etc.? L, they don't have the right level of development. And we've learned that there are all kinds of developmental sort of delays and things like that in human beings. And we don't thereby conclude that they're less human. In fact, we tend to take their, in some ways, compromised physical and or mental uh, state and legislate in such a way to give them additional protections. Because we know inherently that we should. The letter E, they're not in the right environment. Therefore, it's okay to kill them. That's basically what abortion says. Because if it was... 24 weeks old outside the womb, every move would be made to protect it and keep that, 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 that uh, stage of development alive. Yet if it's in the womb and they want to abort it and kill it, then go ahead and do it. Therefore, it's just a matter of environment. It's in the wrong place at the right time. They have too much physical dependency is the letter D. So because they're dependent, we can kill them. See, this is what you have to say to people. So what you're saying is, they're not viable, all right? Because that's the argument. Well, they're not viable. Okay, so because human beings are dependent, it's okay to kill them, is what you're saying. Mm. And that's what some eugenicists, uh, eugenics people believe. Yes, that's okay. That's okay. And that's why, for example, we now have 100% uh, uh, the end of, uh, to 100% the end of Down syndrome in the country of Ireland because they've continued to just abort anyone with Down syndrome. So Down syndrome now is 100% eliminated, I believe, from Iceland. Iceland. What did I say? Ireland? Yeah. Big difference. Big mistake. Yeah. Um, Iceland. Makes, very, makes a lot of sense. It's a cold country, Brother Mike. <laughs> All human beings have intrinsic value. So, we're going we're gonna to take a look in this last week 
Uh, we're going to take what we've learned over the course of the past three weeks just to expose some common flaws in sort of these counter-arguments, Beth. All children are dependent to lunch oh, so that you could not... Uh, That's exactly right. Get rid of them because they're dependent. That's exactly right. Everybody physically handicapped. Well, that's exactly right. What about people that have had strokes? Yeah. What about people that are on, uh, uh, intubated for a time? Yes, Jane. All people are dependent in general. That's right. Yeah, we're dependent uh, in a lot of ways. And of course, they speak so strictly physical. They don't even think in terms of the relational dependency that we have. Right? It's not good for man to be alone. You know, I know years and years ago, and I don't know who and I don't know when, they did experiments keeping children completely isolated and they died. Russia, I think it was. Right? Um, so. We're going to keep. We're going to see four. We're going to expose four flaws and learn what to do with the rhetoric that follows from those flaws. Flaw number one: pro-abortion rhetoric often attacks the pro-lifer instead of the pro-life argument. So they attack the person instead of the argument. That's what happens all the time, by the way. This goes on in our culture nonstop. It's very easy. There's been great success by particular political parties of just calling someone a name. So you make a claim. I'll throw in an example because I'm a raw meat guy and I don't care. But so, so there are parts of Baltimore that are apparently a sewer to live in. So Donald Trump comes out and says, hey, Elijah Cummings, you've been trashing the Department of Ice and Homeland Security for what you see going down on the border. How about you go back and take care of your own rat-infested, building-collapsing, disease-ridden area? Response from the media and from the political opponents? You're a racist. Why? Because Elijah Cummings is black. Okay. So, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, what about, my, what about my argument? Now, Trump doesn't do himself any favors. He's got himself in this hole, so you know, he's not getting any sympathy from me. I'm just making the point using the extremes. What about the point that this run-down, rat-infested, dung-covered, building-collapsed, garbage-overflowing neighborhoods all over? What about that? Right? So, very easy to attack the person. Very easy to attack the person, Right? You just make an argument. I think abortion is wrong. You're ugly. Right? <laughs> Flaw number two. Pro-abortion rhetoric often assumes that the unborn are not valuable human beings. And we've worked to expose that and we'll get some examples. Flaw number three. Pro-abortion rhetoric often confuses objective claims with subjective claims. Oh, that's true for you, but not for me. Objective claims are claims that are true regardless of whether you believe it or not. It's the nature of truth. It's objective. It's not person-dependent. Okay? Uh, the sun is 93 million miles away. That's an objective truth. It's cold in here at 70 degrees and my wife is covering up with a blanket. That's a subjective claim. All right? I like it, you know, uh, and I might like it 80. I might consider 90 hot. I don't think 80 is hot. That's subjective, okay? Uh, and then flaw number four, pro-abortion rhetoric often confuses functioning as a person with being a person. That's a big one. To confuse functioning as a person with just the simple matter of being a person. And our society profits off this every day. That's why athletes get paid as much as they do. That's why celebrities are given moral high ground status on whatever they say must go. See, we've confused function, success, beauty with truth. And we've got to fight that. So, uh, what is rhetoric? Rhetoric is just a term. Originally, it was a term which referred to the art of using words skillfully. 
So a, a rhetorician, or a rhetorician, a rhetorician? No, <laughs> rhetorician. I think it's a rhetorician. It was really highly valued among the ancient Greeks. If you were a great orator, you know, that's why Paul said, "Look, man, that's not my thing. It's the power of the Spirit at work." Uh, it's, it, now it sort of has a clever meaning. It's the use of language in a clever but sort of misleading way as a propaganda tool. Okay, so we use rhetoric as a propaganda tool, and again. We see this mostly in politics and marriages. Um, this is what we mean when we prefer the pro-abortion rhetoric. <coughs> because the pro-abortion cause is deeply flawed, the only way pro-abortionists can avoid exposure is to use rhetoric that distracts attention from the arguments and the facts. And our job is to stand in the gap and say, no, that's not going to happen, not when I'm here. And this is a maneuver that's used by many groups and individuals to attempt to avoid reality. I think so, some of those, those terms that you hear from that side are like viability and quality of life and that kind of thing when you're starting to talk about, you know, fetuses that they're yep. able to tell or that, right, this one's going to be yes. born with birth defects and this and that, you know. The fact remains that the people who, who spout that stuff off, you know, you want to challenge them and say, how, how many severely disabled people do you interact with? Because yeah. the truth is, like, I see 50 of them every day, yeah. different ones at every place I go yeah, to great. music. And so, like, I know some people, they can't move their body. They're yeah. 100% dependent yeah. on food, toileting. They can't talk. But I'll tell you what, they're some of the happiest people that you've right. ever met. Like, yeah. they're into the Red Sox. And they yeah. Like they like, and they like That's certain too bad. kinds of music. And uh -huh. their whole life is emoted through their eyes. Kill them. Little movement. Kill them. And they're having the greatest time. And I just know some people that are the healthiest human beings in the world that wish yeah. they were dead. Yeah. So, when you talk exactly. about viability and quality of life, uh -huh. man, like... That's the thing that it's it's like a no. healthy, good, strong body no, equals that on more. Yep. But it, it doesn't. Yep. You know they they um. No, it's, it's horrible. Like the definition of terms is even so far removed that <laughs> it, it's it, that's why it's so easy to go and 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 start making arguments about against the person. Like that's right. Erase, you know, that's right. Because like that's the right. gap's too vast. That's right. No one wants to think the time. Yeah, Dave. You know what else is interesting? Uh, a friend of mine recently uh, had a cat that had cancer, mm. and uh, they went to the uh, veterinarian to having a cat put to sleep. Yep. My goodness, they got the biggest fight of their lives. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, against putting the yep. uh, cat to oh, sleep. Oh, sure. The doctors are like, you don't want to do that. You can't write. But, <laughs> but right. But so, but I mean, it's a great example. You know what I mean? It's, it's a good... Abortion advocates know. And by the way, this is the ad hominem fallacy, okay? Ad hominem basically means Latin for to the man, okay? To the man. It's an argument to the person or against the person. And abortion advocates know that if they're forced to defend the act of dismembering a defenseless child, they will lose. That's why they distract. That's why they avoid it themselves. That's why no one's told them enough. That's why they haven't heard enough. They haven't been told. Abortion dismembers a pain-feeling thing. So instead they attack the character of the pro-lifers, right? And so by attacking the man rather than the argument, abortion advocates divert attention from the main issue all the time and they get the media to back them up. And I think that one of the most disturbing events was a couple of years ago when they discovered these people just uh, uh, selling baby parts. Mm. The people that did the filming of the... Uh, uh, the you know, that was a confession, but it was an interview. When that came out, 
the people that did the filming were prosecuted, yeah. not the people that had been. Yeah. 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 Oh, sure. yeah. The thing oh, yeah. was the undercover thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That yeah. guy does a lot of really great stuff. I, I don't know. What does that mean? I never heard of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like the practice of abortion. Yeah, right. For what? For medical, medical, medical study. Yeah. No, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. But what difference does it make? No, no. The question is, the question is, what? difference does it make? If they're not human, right? No, I get it. I just never heard selling baby parts exactly. in a sentence before. But, and that's okay, and that's fine, but even if somebody never did before and they've never heard of that, and that is awful, but the only reason why it's awful is because we know that it's human. If it's not, if the unborn isn't human, that's fine chicken. Go ahead and sell it. I, I, and I don't even joke about that. I can joke about anything almost but that. You know what I mean? I just, even, I can't joke about that. Yeah. It's almost too unpleasant to talk about. And yeah. The fundamental difference is that this was actually brought to court, but if you look it up, yeah. there was a hospital in Great Britain mm-hmm. that was using um, aborted fetal tissue with parts as uh, biomass fuel to power the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, like, you, you know more about There's both sides of the argument, you know, than, than me, clearly. Um, are there people on like the pro-choice side of things who take a totally different approach and are like, we're not even going to try to distract you. It's like the homeless guys that have a sign that just mm-hmm. say, I want a beer. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to mess with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, are there people on the other side who are just like, yup, we're killing babies yes. and, it, and it hurts them yes. and they're human yes. and we don't even care. Yes. Okay. Yes. Really yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, there are those who say yes. We know. In fact, I, I work with one. I work with one. I work with one. I'll, and I'll, wow. and I'll, and I'll wow. give you an example in a minute. Ron. You know, and that's, that's why, like, right now, like, with Planned Parenthood, they just fired uh, their president. Yes. Their new yeah. president. Uh, yeah. She was a medical doctor, and she was going to trying to defend <coughs> abortion from a medical point of view mm. and saying that it's a, it's a, a health issue. Mm. And, the, and Planned Parenthood knew that they had no defense for that. That's right. It's like they, you know, that's what you're saying. They cannot, there's no, uh, there's no moral, there's no, no way that they can defend abortion in, a, if, in that, in a medical sense. Yeah. Because the, the, the science is there. You know, What's you can see the pictures in the womb. It's a baby. Yeah. The science is there and the philosophy is there. So now they've taken it, it's like a legal. Now they want to go to legal, the legal. Yeah. That's why they continue to, to change it. Just like, just like um, they changed the, the phraseology for global warming to just climate change, right? Because it was some pushback, right? And, and of course, you know, it's again, it's one of those, it's a propaganda trick because everyone knows the climate's always changing. So if you deny climate change, the, the equivocation that takes place is that you're therefore also refusing the danger that has not been proven that's put the whole world in. So it's, so it's a great example. And then I have a co-worker, I, and I, had the, I laid the facts out for him, blah, 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 all this stuff. And he said, well, that, that the mother's life is, is still more important. And not the mother's life. It's more important. That, that's still an extension of her body. It's not her body, but it's still a, an extension of her body. And I said, no, it's not an extension of her body. Any more than a baby sucking at her breast is an extension of her body. It's a separate human being. I've shown you that. I've shown you all the facts. I've shown you everything to it. Your position is dangerous. You know, you finally want to say, you no longer need a debate. You need a psychiatrist. 
because you've, you've, you've acquiesced, you've agreed that yes, this is a human being. Hey, there are women out there. One came out, I wish I would have recorded it a couple weeks ago, and they said, we have to stop trying to defend. Look, the fact is, this is a parasite. It's a cancer in us. Yes, it's human, but it's a parasite. It's taking from us. It's hurting our bodies, and we get to defend ourselves against the attack. Wow, wow. That's what's supported now. Of course. So that's our point. They don't even understand that the woman's body was made to do that. that well, that's exactly right. That child is exactly where it belongs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's never been anywhere else. Okay? Mm-hmm. That has been its place. That's where it starts. That's where every human being starts. Um, here's, here's some of, the, some of the, the foolish objections we get that we want to learn how to overcome. It's hypocritical for pro-lifers to oppose abortion unless they're willing to care for the woman and her child. Okay? Unless you're willing to care for those children that aren't being aborted, you've got no right to say anything. But it simply doesn't follow that because someone objects to the killing of innocent human beings that he must be willing to care for those that survive. At the most, you're a hypocrite or something. But you're not wrong. You could easily say... And and here's some examples. Um, And this is one that... uh, we interacted with in our class a little bit that we had down the street. Imagine, for example, how bizarre it would be if someone argued, you have no right telling me not to beat my wife unless you're willing to marry her. (laughs) It's the same argument. It's the same basic argument. You're saying you're ignoring the reality that beating the wife is wrong and you're making a point by saying, well, you don't really care. If you really cared, you'd take her into your home yourself. You'd marry her if you really wanted her to have a good husband. Okay? Or, unless you're, unless you're willing to hire ex-slaves for your business, you have no right opposing slavery. Right? You, you, don't, you hypocrite. You, you say you shouldn't be slavery, right? Are you going to hire them when they, no longer, uh, when they don't have a job or whatever? Right? Slave owners, by the way, they used that very argument a century ago. They used that argument. Unless you're willing to hire ex-slaves for your business, you have no right to oppose slavery. It's madness. All right? Uh, it, it'd be like saying to them, hey, look, it'd be like me saying to Nancy Pelosi, hey, Nancy Pelosi, you have no right being opposed to a wall until you take that wall down Roger. around your own house. Now, it does show hypocrisy, and there may or may not be things, good, let's, but, you know, I don't want to get into the arguments to whether the walls work or not, but, but the point is, something stands by itself alone as a truth, not by how you're going to respond to that truth. Those are two different questions. Of course, abortion advocates will respond to our objection using their logic by saying that's different. You're treating the unborn as if they're human beings, like slaves are. Well, yes, that's exactly right. Right? And so it just exposes the hypocrisy. It proves that the real issue is not us being hypocrites, but what's the unborn? We still come back to that question. See, our arguments will, will draw out in them what they really believe. So it doesn't follow that abortion is justified when pro-lifers fail to care for those involved in a crisis pregnancy. Even so, by the way, right? Pro-lifers do an awful lot to care for, for those involved in crisis pregnancies. We've got things like the place down the street. There are 4,000 national and international pro-life, more than that now, this is the older information, pro-life providers dedicated to the well-being of children and their moms. Medical aid, food, diaper drives, you name it. Okay? Here's a big one. This is the one that makes me nuts. A lot of them do, but this one makes me particularly nuts. Men shouldn't have anything to say about abortion. It's a woman's issue. Right? And my first answer is, you're a loudmouth sexist. Because that's a sexist statement. And you ought to shut up. 
Because if a man said that about you, he'd be in the newspaper the next day. But I digress. <laughs> yes. Someone once brought up the statistic to me that it was something like seventy um, percent of pro-lifers are men, mm-hmm. um, and I recalled to them uh, a rape and thought that a hundred percent of uh, pro-choicers have already been born. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? But not only that. But so what? There's, there's no there's no relationship between the number of people that believe a certain thing. There's no relationship. There's no correlation that says there's a statistical ratio that we can depend on. The more people believe something, the more likely it's true. Well, that's nonsense. But I was going to say, aren't some of those babies men? Yeah, right. But a consensus is often used as a tool yeah. to try to convince you that everybody's on board with whatever yeah. idea they're pushing. But when the basis of the consensus is flawed, that's doubly problematic. You know, um, from, a, from a Christian's perspective, we do have to be careful of, you know, having the attitude, and, and I'm not saying that's here, but having a one-upsmanship in our discussion with those who are mm-hmm. pro-abortion, um, because we have to realize that, <clears throat> you know, I, I remember what Paul said to the Thessalonians, uh, because they would not believe the love of the truth, God will send them a strong delusion that they believe a lie. Mm-hmm. And it is a deluded state for these people in mm-hmm. relationship to a spiritual delusion mm-hmm. whose ultimate source is from Satan himself <coughs> in terms of the corruption and the corrupting of the people and of that sin that, that so engrosses a person into a degree of so self, such a self-centeredness that it's only them... But a lot of unbelievers, and I hear what you're saying, but even so, a lot of unbelievers change their mind about abortion. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not you know saying I mean? that. But what I'm saying though is, I think, I think it it puts us in the right balance when we talk, because we get, we can very quickly. I understand. Very mean spirit. I understand. And yeah. then the message is lost, even yeah. if we win the argument. You need to maintain humility, but it's, right. and, and and at the same point, right? Remember the the whole slavery thing, okay? Remember the whole slavery thing. Now, if I was, uh, I don't know about them, but I, I can say today, if there was like a war north versus south over the unborn, mm-hmm. I would take up arms. I would go on the field and fight. Or at least I hope I would. Mm-hmm. I would take a gun and I would go to war against those that want to kill innocent unborn human beings. I would join that fight. I would like to think I would have done that back in slavery days too. You know what I mean? Now, maybe not everybody would. But I think there's something about defending defenseless human beings that sometimes requires violence. Is the only answer. That's why we have just wars and unjust wars. Yeah, our whole nation. Now, does that mean that I should go out there now and shoot? No, because we have a legal, we have a legal thing in place. Okay, that sort of uh, acknowledges, you know, there are certain things that you can do and certain things that you can't do. But if our nation were ever at that place where the same sort of mindset was in place that was in place during slavery, where it was something that was, you know, why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't I? So I say all that just to say there's a certain level of humility. But I also, I also think that there's a certain level of pushback that we have to give that doesn't have to be done with total politeness. And I think to some extent it depends on the person. But and it depends on the attitude of the person that's coming at you. You know what I'm saying? Um, so 
And, and I say that because Jesus also said to the unbelieving Satan-inspired deluded Pharisees, you brood of vipers, how do you expect to avoid hell? Well, it was John the Baptist who said that, but Jesus in other places said similar things. You brood of vipers, you go tell that fox. You know what I mean? At some point, it's okay for justified anger to well up and explode forth in that way. Now, I'm not Jesus. And... I would want to be gentle, but there's a part of me that says, to what extremes do we go to protect defenseless, innocent human beings? It's one thing for someone to threaten my life. All right? It's one thing for if someone to threaten my life for what I believe and threaten to kill me if I don't change. I don't necessarily have to, in all cases, defend my life. Right? But if someone's going to step up and... and so let's say I'm going to be beheaded for the cause of Christ. You know, hopefully I would go ahead and be martyred. But if I see someone coming to behead you for the cause of Christ, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to stop that person, even if it means killing them, because I'm going to defend your life. And maybe I'm maybe maybe there's a range of differences in that that could be respected. I don't know. Maybe not everyone would do that. And I'm not saying I have the high moral ground. I'm simply saying there are certain things about us as humans that know we need to defend the helpless. We need to do what you know the Book of Proverbs says: defend those, help those that are being dragged away to death. And sometimes that includes violence. Now, I know violence has a negative connotation to it because it's always like the way we understand the word violence is if it's always unjustified, right? But violence is just sometimes that. I mean, wars are violence, aren't they? And sometimes we do it's unnecessary. I mean, necessarily, a lot of times we don't. So, and I don't think if you weren't the kind of person, like if there was a person in, in those days in the Civil War that didn't want to fight, I don't think that that person has is morally inferior to me in any way. I'm just simply sharing, you know, what's the range of responses that we experience when we think about the abuse and the killing. The killing, not the abuse, the killing of innocent unborn human beings for the reasons that we kill innocent unborn human beings. But that, that's not about me. I'm sorry. I've said way too much about my own. I don't want to confuse the argument with things. I just, sometimes I feel like I need to share, even as a teacher, my, what's going on inside me. You know what I mean? And yeah. why it drives me so I'm not going to go out and kill. I'll never kill a pro-abortion doctor. But if this is my sword, I'm going to wield it like a Jedi Knight. You know? And I'm going to wield it with all the force that I can when necessary. As the, as the verse that's jumping out, I'm not, I'm, uh, not quoting it right. Mm-hmm. I think it's in Matthew. It's like something about have, heaven suffering and the violent take it by force. And yeah. Like, that, mm. that could be out of context. Yeah. Not sure. I have to look at the verse. Uh, the kingdom of God suffers violence. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I'd have to look at the context of that. Well, the context is uh, Jesus just mentioned about John the Baptist martyrdom. Yep. Yep. And so the the context is 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 yep. in my, my opinion teaching, not just implying yep. that he was part of that suffering of violence when uh, we are living in a spiritual reality yes. of a kingdom fight. Yes. And he died for. His side. Yep. Yep. And I'm even open to the argument in the sense that I could be wrong in, in taking that strong position. I, I, well, in a common moment, about the passion. Their path is is that God has given us the sword, the sword of the Spirit. He has right. given us the Word of God. Yep. And our greatest weaponry is the Word of God. Yep. And proclaiming the gospel to them. Yeah. And truly, in in the evidence and in the certainty mm-hmm. of that evidence mm-hmm. to the abortionists. Mm-hmm. But keeping it a spiritual argument with physical, not just the mm. physical argument, 
Because once again, then we just become part of even, say, a secular world that says, well, I don't agree with abortion. And it's just, uh, uh, here's my facts, here's your facts. It's a greater spiritual warfare. And that's why we bring and interject the gospel into it. It is. I just, again, if I were going to see an unregenerate person attack and beat you or your wife, I wouldn't care about giving them the gospel at that moment one bit. I would care about crippling them so that they can't hurt you. I would care about dismembering, I would, I would disabling them so that they cannot hurt you. Mm-hmm. And then while they're suffering from what I might have been able to do, then I give them the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> but but your your point is a good point because we can easily let uh, just sort of the harshness of it get to us and lose compassion for the unbeliever and that kind of thing. So it's it is not. It's well, not an easy remember balance. Remember what Jesus thing. said, and he, he struck the balance because mm-hmm. you know he, first he, Peter brings his sword right. to the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. right? And yet he also says to Pilate, he says, he says, if my kingdom were of this mm-hmm. world, they'd be yeah. fighting. But as it is, it is yeah. not of this world. No, I'm, I'm open. So to there's, there's, there's this I'm open tension. to that whole thing. Really, yeah, I'm open to whatever's going to save innocent human beings and get people saved. I want to tiptoe in this, but don't we see God in the Bible uh-huh. um, using force for his cause? Yeah. And, and yet the world will look at that and uh-huh. say, well, that's not God. That must yeah. be Satan who, right, sure. who killed those people. And of course, the difference Even is God doesn't. says, kill every woman and child. Yeah. And by the way, that never happened. That's another lesson we'll have that someday. Even the genocide, never, they never wiped out an entire civilization. And I'll show you how in Scripture that's true. But I, I want to get to all these arguments. But that's a good argument. It helps us deal with the anger and the frustration and the desire which is holy and all those other things that could lead to wrong actions and things like that. Um, I would never ever... People that... Like the guy that shot... Uh, that, that shoot abortion doctors or whatever. You can't go against the law that way. You, you can't do that. You've got no right to do that. The law has done since provided for certain things to happen. We can't justify it. But that doesn't mean that... That doesn't mean that at times... And we're not in that time. Again, I think back to slavery... I think the war for slavery was a good thing. I mean, in its right, good in that it freed human beings from oppression and bondage. Bad that because we're human, it required war to do that. So it's also a very, it is a very sexist reply, by the way. Men should have nothing to do with this, okay? It's pure and simple. Because if this attack were valid, should women be silent when men molest children? Should women be silent? Should they be on a jury? Okay, if a man sexually molests a child, okay, something he did with his body, should women be allowed on the jury to determine whether or not? I said, no, you don't have the same sexual organ as me, therefore you don't get to pass judgment on, on me in this. Because that's what their argument comes down to. And that's one of the things that they give in response. Somebody said, arguments don't have sexual organs. What a great point. Mm. Right? So... Uh, it's just nonsense. And by the way, it was a male majority on the Supreme Court that, that gave women the right to illegal abortion. So, you want to step real carefully with that. Hmm. You don't care that unwanted children will be abused. Right? The pro-choice model is every child a wanted child. When an objection begins with you don't care, then you know where it's going. Right? You know it's a personal attack. And the every child, the wanted child, disguises an insidious moral question. Killing a child is less offensive than abusing him. Right? That's what they're saying. And we're going to abort because you don't care that some of these children are going to be abused. Okay, so let's kill them. 
You see that kid down the street, his father abuses him every week, let's kill the kid. Why not? Let's kill that kid. Prevent him from being abused. We don't get to decide if other people's lives mm-hmm. are worth going through the pain that they go through. Right. You know, people can't look at a child and go, your life's so bad that you should... But they do it all the time. Mm-hmm. They do it all the time. They determine that. And again, that's why Down syndrome has been eliminated in Iceland. Because they've aborted and, and they've gotten rid of a, you know, a large genetic population that would otherwise have that. So that's, that's pretty awful. Uh, it also says that molestation is more evil than murder. That's what it says. If you're against abortion, and, and they say, look, some of these kids are going to be born into abusive homes where they might even be sexually abused. Okay? So what you're saying is, okay, so killing them is better then. So sexual molestation is more evil than murder. That's what they're saying. You have to help people to see this. Help them draw that conclusion. Help them see that. They would never say that. But the thing is, they don't yet see that unborn as a human being. That's why. Because they would never otherwise concede that point. That's why we have to use science and philosophy to demonstrate that they're human. We don't think logically today anyways. Well, you're absolutely right about that. We've abandoned that. That's another lesson. You're absolutely right, Todd. You're 100% right. It's hauntingly so. And it has affected our millennial population like a disease. I was going to say, it's... The fact is, is that like some of the mouthiest people on this subject, like they have no personal interaction with. Them. You know, it's just something that makes sense for them to get fired up about. And you, you know, you gotta like start to drill it down into them yes. to get it like super duper real. I mean, by, by that rationale, when you go rescue kids in Cambodia who are being human trafficked, you should just pop them in the back of the head. Right. When you kill the molesters, you should just kill them too. Yeah, sure. You know, it makes the most sense it, it, under that argument. And, and who's going to ever in a million years say, yeah, that's probably the best idea? Because mm-hmm. they're just going to have a whole bunch of mess for the rest of their life. Mm. Aren't you like at the beginning of the, mi- the millennial uh, generation? <laughs> no, no. Gen X, man. I'm 45. Gen X. I'm old, man. I'm going to be and so what they do is what they do is they offer killing the child for abortion as an antidote for abuse let's stop abuse by killing the ones that would be abused they would never give the death penalty to the abuser here's a good idea let's take that and I'm not in favor of this let's take that that, uh, that parent that abused the child sexually molested and give the death penalty well, why not? Why don't we do that? Because we know that's not right. Okay. Plus, there's a difference what? between killing someone; it's all over, and the fact that their their situation could change. Well, there's a big difference between killing an innocent human being and, and killing a criminal too. But so the slogan should be changed from "Every child a wanted child" to "Every child a valued child," and this makes us responsible for valuing human beings in our care instead of discarding them when they become burdensome. Each of the above examples does nothing to refute the pro-life position. It's wrong to kill unborn human beings. None of what you just heard refutes that. Instead, they attack the pro-lifer. Flaw number two, pro-abortion rhetoric often assumes the unborn are not valuable human beings. And so we have what's called the question-begging fallacy. Let me give you a little something, a little side note. When you hear people say, oh, by the way, that begs the question. Don't say that. Don't say, oh, gee, that begs the question. Are we going to do this as a church or whatever? Begging the question is a 
fallacy in logic. Okay? So what people really mean to say when they say this, which raises the question, but they want to sound really smart, so they say which begs the question, right? When people say, oh, gee, you know, that brings, the question, brings to my mind the question about what are we going to do about that building down the street? Okay? But question begging, um, abortion advocates have to show that the unborn are not valuable human beings in order to justify abortion. They have to prove that, which, of course, they can't. But rather than proving this with facts and arguments, they just simply assume it. Okay? And when you assume the very thing you ought to be proving, that's a logical fallacy known as begging question. Because you're begging them to answer the question, but all they're doing is restating the thing they're saying. Right? It's, think of it that way. Look, I'm begging you to answer the question, why is it okay to kill the unborn? But they don't. They just assume it is. So that's, what, that's what real question begging is. So you're one up on 90% of the population now. You have information 90% of the population, probably more doesn't have right now, and they use that Oh, which begs the question. It makes people look smart. Examples. Women have a right to control their own bodies. The statement assumes that there's only one body involved in the abortion act, right? So this is an example of how they're assuming the very thing they ought to be proving. Whether or not abortion involves one body or two is precisely the point at issue. That's exactly what we're talking about. and You're just assuming the one. So hence the statement begs the question. The question of whether or not abortion destroys an innocent human being must be answered before the appeal to bodily rights of the woman can be made. We must answer whether we have a right to use our bodies to harm innocent human beings. Do we have the right to use our bodies to harm innocent human beings? Nobody has that right in any realm of life. And almost, in some cultures they do. Okay, in some cultures they do. It's okay to... It's okay to... Uh, in certain parts of Islam, it's okay to hit your wife. Okay? So, even if she's innocent. Or, or, right, exactly. So, it's okay to do that. So, and we know that that's wrong. That's just a, but, but we, I just say that to make the point. We have to answer whether we have a right to use our bodies to harm innocent human beings. And we don't. Here's another one. We talked about this a little. Without legal abortion, women will die from illegal back alley abortions. Okay? This argument is the same as saying because some people might die attempting to kill their unborn child, the state should make it safe and legal for them to do so. Right? And the argument still begs the question by assuming the unborn are not human. You're still assuming that the, you haven't answered the question. If you answer the one question we went back to a couple weeks ago and said we reduced the whole thing down to one question, what is the unborn? If you answer that, you don't get into this trap. So it begs the question. No one knows when life begins. Well, we talked about that. Again, the statement begs the question because it assumes life begins at birth. Everyone says, okay, life begins at birth. All right? Which abortion advocates, they have to prove that instead of taking it for granted. And of course they can't because the science is against them. And logic and philosophy is against them. And so by promoting abortion based on the assumption that no one knows when life begins, abortion advocates really do think they know when life begins at birth. <laughs> Right? So they say, we never know when life begins, but then they turn around and say it begins at birth. Alright? The court didn't prove that the unborn were not human beings, by the way. It merely assumed this point, all the while claiming neutrality. But that, that's begging the question. The court claimed to be, they said we have no idea when life begins, but then they determined viability is when we're going to basically say life begins. Now, they didn't use that language because they would never contradict themselves in that way, but that is exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did because they said, we can't know 
answer of when life begins is not a question for science, but we're going to make viability the point at which we begin to count this entity as a living thing. Why? Why? Why at that point? And it does strike us as absolutely silly, but like Todd was saying, this is what happens. And one of the reasons why... uh, one of the reasons why the gospel equips us to minister to a sin-sick culture is that we do have truth so that we can go in and tear back some of that, Todd. This is where you know you and I have very common ground on this. Is tear back that so that we can help them. We have to, there's a certain sense in which we may not restore them unto God, but we can restore their mind a little bit to think. I believe God lets that happen, right? Uh, and then... And then maybe after we've exposed that and their mind is in the right place, then maybe we could also come in with the gospel. How's it go? Uh, be ready to give an answer to any man yes. that asks the reason of the hope that yeah. you would make this one Absolutely. And Absolutely. Even if they say, why are you so passionate about this thing, Todd? Why are you so passionate about the unborn? Because God created every human being to image him, to represent him, to be created. What scares to me make, is to build, that to flourish, to make beautiful things. You've got really smart people. I know. Who are acting so illogically. Oh, I and know. actually even unscientifically. Yep. And uh, contradict our, from a contradiction perspective. Mm. I I believe that we're in an era where you can you can see now why a Hitler can arise. Sure. Why a Stalin can arise yeah. and have the favor of the people. It's a broken human condition. Absolutely. Model. You know, what you're saying that we talk about, um, you know, that we live in a, uh, this is, you know, millennials, but I think society in general can't think logically. Yeah. You know, I think also what I see is there's this apathy that people choose not to know what they don't, you know, what will be um, controversial to them. It doesn't fit their worldview. So, they, so they're apathetic mm. to that, you know. So it's not only that they don't think logically they just they just off what they don't want to think. I agree with that apathy I, I think oh. the majority of Americans mm. aren't really interested in having a coherent worldview. yeah you're absolutely oh, you're 100% correct and you know I know you two aren't millennials because millennials I think well, I don't know age what, what, what it begins there's an argument, there's an argument. but you two I mean obviously I mean you two I mean Christian was making some very good common sense points the other night at the youth group about the subject, right? There were, I forget exactly what, there were two or three specific points you made, and maybe you and I both forget what they were, but it was just things that just rose to the level of common sense that apply to this, you know what I mean? So it, it's there, it's almost like someone has to use, you know, and it is demonic and delusional at some point. But, like, going to high school as a Christian, um, I've heard people who, um, like, they very immature. They don't like, put in a, any effort into mm. school or, mm-hmm. or being intelligent or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but society has one pressured them into believing these things, mm-hmm. and then two filled them with like all these ludicrous arguments. Absolutely, that, that even people who would never try to make an intelligent like argument about anything right. are absolutely convinced that. This is the intelligent, factual po- that pro-choice is the intelligent, factual position. It's like it's like it's like Mr. Potter said. Yeah, fill their head with all kinds of impossible ideas. You know, <laughs> it's true. And it's uh, unfortunately so. Yes, they they have been indoctrinated, and that's going on all the time. So, 
Uh, and then there's the moral relativism fallacy, right? Which I'm going to speed through a little bit of this. Abortion advocates assume that right and wrong is different for different people. Okay, so abortion might not be so. So this assumption shows itself this way: like you have your truth, I have my truth. Therefore, we should be tolerant of all views. Maybe abortion is wrong for you, but it might be right for others. But this flaw turns the pro-life moral claim about abortion, abortion is wrong, into a preference claim. I don't like abortion. And of course, this misses our point entirely. When you twist objective claims into subjective claims, this is known as moral relativism. And by the way, that wouldn't stand because if they said, therefore, we should be tolerant of all views, if we disagree with them, I guarantee you they'll be intolerant. And we say, no. Oh, okay, so, so you therefore should tolerate my view that your view that all views should be tolerated is the preferable view. If what you say is true, and of course they won't, you know. And yes, Todd, I do like a one-upping at that point. <laughs> I do like one-upping. It's almost, it is a time sinful. I have to, I have to, I have to confess that publicly. Um, the, the view that there are no objective standards of right and wrong, only personal preferences like taste and ice cream, right? So we could have Todd. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, peanut butter cup. All of them. Uh, what did you say? Peanut, peanut butter, butter cup. cup. Oh, okay. So peanut, uh, so butter pecan is mine. So you could say, ah, oh, peanut butter cup is the best tasting ice cream, and I could say butter pecan is the best tasting ice cream. Those are subjective claims. <clears throat> but let's say this: whatever the ingredients are of ice cream, the objective reality is ice cream is made of this, this, and this. Right. I don't get to disagree with that. Right? I, I don't get to say no. The best ice cream is baked in an oven at 450 degrees. <laughs> that's, that's stupid, right? I mean, <clears throat> so here's an example of what they say: If you don't like abortion, don't have one. Okay. So that's a common. That's by the way, that's one of the most common ways that abortion advocates relativize pro-life people. You're just expressing what you like and you don't like. You're trying to force that upon me, right? They treat our view as a mere preference. All right. However, it's not that we don't like abortion. And we'd prefer that you have, not have one. We think abortion is wrong whether we like it or not. So the argument confuses our moral claim with the preference claim. Don't let this sort of dismissal stand. Don't, don't let that stand. Say something like, okay, fine. If you don't believe in slavery, don't own one. If you don't believe in slavery, don't own slaves. That's what they said back in slavery days. Right back to the argument of what is the unborn. Yeah. Because no one would ever make a moral relativism argument for school shooting. No, of course not. Exactly. So that's a good point. Use it. Use it when you get a chance to. Uh, other people say that's just your view. Again, the argument attempts to marginalize the pro life by making it relative and just saying, oh, you're just thrusting your personal beliefs on us. Once on the, on the television show years ago, Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher, uh, the uh, supermodel Kathy Ireland was on the show. And she gave one of these carefully reasoned scientific and philosophic defenses for pro-life. And Bill Maher just simply just blurted back, Kathy, that's just your view. She might as well have said, look, Bill, 8 plus 8 is 16. And we know that because of this, this, and this. And blah, blah, blah. And his response is, well, that's just your view. Bill Maher's not a stupid guy. But he's an, igno- he's an ignoramus. Bill Maher is the quintessential ignoramus. He, is, he represents everything that's wrong with a non-critically thinking culture, because he's got capacity. He does. Bill Maher's not stupid. He's got he's got intellectual capacity. So she wasn't just claiming it was just her view. She was saying this is wrong. This is a moral judgment she was making. And but you know, so interesting. Bill Maher didn't say that to all his liberal guests. They were just abusing pro-lifers. He didn't. Say, so when they were abusing pro-lifers, saying, "Oh, you're." 
you're mean, you're this and that, you don't care about kids, you don't care about women. But Bill Maher wasn't saying to them, oh, that's, that's, that's just your view. Mm. Here's a great one. I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I don't want to impuse my, oppose my view on others. All right? And this is a relativistic response. It's known as the modified pro-life position, right? And this view may seem difficult to oppose. It's actually very easy to spend if you ask the right question. Why do you personally oppose abortion? Right? And they'll say, well, I, I oppose it because I think it kills a human baby. But that's my own personal view. And so at that point, just repeat their words back to them. Okay, let me see if I understand you. You actually believe abortion kills a human child. But you think women should be allowed to kill their children if they want to. Sometimes people just need to have you take the roof off so they can see into their own home. If they object to your wording, then ask them what part of their view you just misunderstood. Oh, I'm sorry. What part of what you said didn't I understand? And the fact is, the view they hold, you just carried it out to their logical conclusion. Okay? I once, there was a lady that I worked with that once said that to me. I'm opposed to abortion, but I wouldn't <coughs> oppose that view on others. And I said to her, I've shared this with some of you, so if I was in my backyard taking live kittens and throwing them on my grill to kill them, do you think that's wrong? She said, of course. I said, if you saw me doing that, would you call the police? She said, of course I would. I walked away. I rest my case. Does anybody talk to you anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, in some, in, some, uh, in some jobs you want to eliminate the middleman. I like to eliminate the middle argument and take it right to its logical conclusion. <laughs> I don't believe in little steps along the way sometimes. Sometimes in our short lack of focus, lack of attention, lack of critical thinking, because we lack critical thinking, it's because of that that I get right from A to Z and I skip B, C, D, E, F, G, H, right? Yeah. And I know it, that's not the way it's going to work every time. I can't apologize for who I am. <laughs> but again... Don't force your morality on me. Once again, the same problem. We're not forcing morality. We, the, the claim is itself has a moral point of view that, that there's forcing. I'm not forcing anything. Um, so we talked about um, flaw number four is an example of trying to disqualify the unborn as variable persons, right? So according to abortion advocates, a, de- <coughs> a person is defined by what he can and cannot do. In order to be considered a person, one must function a certain way. This mentality is called functionalism. So some abortion advocates claim that a person is a living entity with feelings and self-awareness and the ability to interact with his or her environment. And because the fetus can do none of those things, they say it cannot be a true person. Well, again, we have a specific strategy for that. We already covered it. It involves three problems that arise with any list of qualities that determine personhood. It leaves some out that shouldn't be left out and includes some that shouldn't be included. Like, you know, we talk about animals as being personality. We leave out uh, people that are asleep. If you're asleep, you're not able to interact with a lot of your environment. If you're in a coma, you can't. If you're unconscious from an accident, uh, all these things, you're not feeling, you're not productive, you're not anything at that point. And they might say, well, yeah, but you once were, you will be again. They're still using functionalism. So you're still saying then that you're more valuable than the guy in the wheelchair. They're very self-serving and very arbitrary. People just bring them up and they think it's going to help their argument. It's a seriously flawed argument because you can fail to function as a person while still being a person. We come back to the value of the personhood thing, which is why I started where I began because once we demonstrate and have these arguments, we can go from there to say, by the way, where do you think this inherent value of human beings comes from that we all have? Where do you think that comes from? Right? To argue for God, for the existence of God. 
because they already know that. They already know God exists. They're suppressing truth and unrighteousness constantly, stomping it, but they know it. And we, we can get at it. We can, we can tear it back. We can, we, we, just, we can get at that. Sometimes with a scalpel, sometimes with a spade. Yeah. Is what? Okay. Your approach is probably preferable, but I would have said, oh, whatever makes your kids happy. Do you let your son take naked pictures of your daughter? Because that makes him happy. <laughs> yeah, <what's up? laughs> How does that work for you? Does that work? Well, no, of course not. And then she'll add a condition. Well, no, because... I say, ah, so there are conditions on the happiness. I agree with you. We should place restraints on what makes other people happy. I agree. So we're in total agreement. Now, how does that apply to this argument? Let's go. I don't have time to waste with this stuff. Look, too many babies are dying. It's just too much. I just, I can't in some ways. I, it's a deficiency in me. I can't. There's too much at risk. I, I just want to bring it right there. I just, it's my way saying, stupid, wake up. Will you please wake up? So, even if we lost all our functions, will we still be me? You've got a walking stick. Are you still you? You didn't. And if anyone ever said otherwise, Doreen, I'd smack him upside the head. That's Doreen. Your Doreenness is not defined by whether or not you need help walking because of something wrong with a hip or a back or whatever. Right? Or whatever other things we've got going on. Jonathan, you're the same exact guy you were before you had lost your vision. You're not less of a person. You're not less valuable. You're a human being. Uh, we age. I'm just as valuable now as I was when I was 25, even though I could do more at 25 than I could do now. Um, so, again, the problem in our culture today is that we're so judged by appearances and we're always comparing. So, anyway, uh, just the last thing very quickly is uh, the rights of individuals in our society are not based on... I mean, uh, they're not based on uh, current capacities, but on inherent capacities. In other words, the rights we have as humans, this is what our founders saw. We have inalienable rights conveyed to us by the Creator. Just by virtue of the fact that they were human. Right? That was the great rallying cry against slavery. These are human beings to those that argued they were persons. And there were some really... Do you know Jonathan... I was Jonathan Edwards? Mm -hmm. Still believed that slavery was okay. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. He had yeah. You know, I don't know if he had slaves. I'm not willing to go that far. I would, he did. Yeah? Okay. Um, so, we can have serious, very serious blind spots. This one is easier than slavery. It's easier. It's easier. Well, actually, and I guess I'd say they're, they're the same. It shouldn't be that hard to disprove either one. But, uh, so, uh, we've gone over an awful lot today. Um, I have to stand with this. This is what we're up against in some cases, right? So this is a question to the Prince, uh, Princeton Bioethics Department professor. If you had to save either a human being or a mouse from a fire with no time to save them both, wouldn't you save the human being? Answer, in almost all cases I would save the human being, but not because the human being is a human, that is a member of the species Homo sapiens. Species membership alone isn't morally significant, but equal consideration for similar interests allow different considerations for different interests. The qualities that are ethically significant are first the capacity to experience something. That is the capacity to feel pain and have any kind of feelings. That's really basic and it's something that a mouse shares with us. How sick is that? That guy is an advanced professor. So we're up against it a lot. We're, I still have a little more, but it's, it, we've, well, we've, that's we've the, absolutely covered. The culture of uh, evolution that's in yeah. reason. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's interesting, I was thinking about that. I, I, what Wally said, it's a surprise to me if, if Edwards did have slaves. It's no different than George Washington had slaves. The reason why uh, believers could justify having slaves is because they were influenced by culture to a certain degree. Sure. I, and I, you know, it wasn't, maybe you're right about Edwards, Whit- I don't know, Whit- it was Whitfield. Not, not Edwards. It was, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean uh, Edwards. Whitfield. George Whitfield. George Whitfield. Strike that. I have to add to that. People made this is offshoot for sure. Yeah. But people could have had slaves, but just in scripture it talks about if a person chooses to slaves chooses to stay with you, mm-hmm. put it all through their ears. Mm-hmm. These people made a choice. So maybe some of these godly men treated their slaves with respect and honor and you dignity. Don't you don't know. Yeah. No, I don't know. So it's it's yeah. not just a fair statement to say they had slaves. Right? Uh, yeah, I would I would definitely want to look further into it. Um, I did read somewhat the stuff that I the little I did read, it didn't mention anything about that. Um, but but that could certainly be looked into. But then we also have to take into we have to take into whole view the Old Testament view of slavery, which is nothing like American slavery, nothing like it. For Israel, it was going against one of God's commandments: "You shall not steal another man. You can't do that. That's worthy of death, unless it was from war or something." But the Israelites could not be man stealers. There's ordinance against that. Our American slavery was completely different. Not that that slavery was right, but our slavery was completely different than that. American slavery was like the other forms of worst slavery that exist in the world still today. There's lots of slavery in Africa. The majority of slavery, according to one scholar, I didn't read his argumentation, but he had said that uh, it was more bond slaves than it was mm-hmm. man stealing. And you had to set them free every seven years. Then to your point, they might have wanted to stay. They might have developed a relationship with the family. And then, okay, so you, know, you can talk about that. So, But that's a good point. I don't know. Somebody look into, somebody do a study on George Whitfield and get back to us on that, will you? There you go. Uh, but in the meantime, Kelly, would you please pray for us so we can be all done? Father God, we do give you many thanks for your working in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, may we rejoice in this day that we can come with you and worship you upstairs together with others and to hear your word unpacked for us that it may dwell richly within us for this remainder of the day and ongoing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.